Did you know Bluff Country Feed and Seed in Mondovi is really growing to meet the needs of farmers? Matt has expanded his service area, and your animals can enjoy the expanded feed lines and bulk custom feed mixes right now. He also has seed for all your planting needs for next spring's planting. Visit Bluff Country Feed and Seed's website at bluffcountryfs.com to see what Matt and the crew can do for you. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Good morning. Time for the farm show here at the Shank of the Day on Wax 104.5. As Jill and Krista and myself, Bob Bosol, bring you the news in agriculture around the area, around Wisconsin, around the nation, and around the world as part of the Midwest Farm Report family. We've got markets, 13 first alert weather. We'll look at all kinds of calendar items and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Again, it's time for the farm show on Wax 104.5. Good morning. It's time for the farm show here on Wax 104.5. You've got Jill Welke here to get these chores done on this cool and crisp morning. Uh, it's, it's, I'm just happy the pickup started and kudos for those out there who have those diesel pickups and hopefully you plugged yours in or have a really good starting one. So, um, but it is cool out there. <laughs> it was uh, well below zero when I got in the pickup this morning. So I am super thankful for remote start. That's the one thing, I'm, one more thing I'm thankful for for today. And I know that our Packers fans are thankful that they pulled out a win from over the Cowboys yesterday. It was uh, 49 to 32 was the final score. And next week they head out west, the San Francisco 49ers. So, you know, it's always one more week when it gets to this time of the year. One more week. So one game at a time. So we're going to be talking about grain production, corn production here in Wisconsin and nationally, and soybean production. And... um January next weekend, January 20 and 21st, is the free fishing weekend in on Wisconsin lakes. No license is required, but all regulations must be followed. Visit the Wisconsin DNR website for more information on the free fishing weekend event. So we're going to uh, be talking some alfalfa with uh, Bob. We talked to Scott Newell alfalfa specialist and we'll have even more alfalfa because next grow alfalfa program is on towards the end of the show so busy morning and um i was looking to see if the chicago board of trade was open today being it is martin luther king jr um holiday national holiday and all I could really find was that financial institutions are closed. So our banks are closed. And that probably means no mail. But I'm not really sure about that one. So my, I do know that banks will be closed today. So no point in getting that banking done. I did look up closings here on WEAU. And I did not have any kind of list. So even though it's cold out there, 
Looks like things are going to be running as per normal. And uh, but even with this cold, if you're when in doubt, call ahead. That's always the safest plan. That's what I do when I need to go someplace different and I know I'm on on the edge of whether they'll be open or not. So we need to get through all of our chores this morning, but we need to get started. It's time for our first look at our weather for today. Right now, outside our door, it's 7 below zero. Today, we're going to be only stretching up to 1 degree. And tonight, we'll be down to 8 below. Tomorrow, 3 for our high. And uh, the temperature tomorrow night is 1 below. Wednesday, stretching up to 11 degrees. Thursday, 9 Friday 5, Saturday 13, and Sunday 24. So it looks like we're going to have about a week-long, really cold spell. So that's what we've got for our weather, for our first look at our weather. For those who work in acres, not in hours, then the Midwest Farm Report. Well, it's time for our first look at our weather and our temperatures around the area. I see negative numbers all the way down my list. Here in Eau Claire and Madison, we're at negative 7. Medford, negative 5. Rice Lake, negative 9. Wausau and Marshfield, negative 6. Green Bay, 3 below 0, so negative 3. La Crosse, 8 below 0. And Milwaukee, negative 4, so 4 below 0. We're only going to stretch up to a high of 1 degree today. 8 below tonight. Tomorrow, 3. And tomorrow night... One below, and it's going to stay chilly, but we will stretch out next weekend into Saturday will be a high of 13, with Sunday a high of 24. And that's just in time for the free fishing weekend next weekend on Wisconsin Lakes. So no license is required, but all the regulations must be followed. Visit the Wisconsin DNR website for more information. And I like fishing, but I usually fish when the water is not stiff. So that's uh, kudos to you for getting out there and doing fishing. And with this cold weather, the ice should be thickening up quite nicely. Well, it's time to, for our first look at our markets. Brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. We'll start out with our cash livestock. Choice-fed beef steers and choice-fed beef heifers are 167 to 179 with mixed steers at 92 to 160, or 166 and mixed heifers at 97 to 166. Finished dairy cross steers and heifers are 140 to 174. Choice-fed Holstein steers are 145 to 162 with select and silage-fed steers 96 to 144. Cows are 69 to 103 with no quote from bulls. Butcher hogs are 34 to 65. Sows are 21 to 27 with boars at 12 and down. Shorn and unshorn market lambs are 150 to 182. Feeder lambs are 50 to 280 with ewes at 45 to 152. Small goats are 65 to 150. Medium goats are 100 to $350. Large goats are $285 to $500, with nanny goats at $35 to $390. And looking at our futures markets, our live cattle futures are trending downward today. February, $171.37, down $0.42. April, $174.17, down $0.40. 
June 171 62 down 35 cents and August 17207 down 32 cents. But our feeder cattle market futures, our feeder cattle futures are trending upward today. For January 22657 down or up 30 cents, March 22770 up 30 cents, April 233 up 27 cents. May 237.82 up 35 cents. And our lean hog carcasses, those are trending downward today. February 71.90 down 70 cents. April 78.62 down 42 cents. May 84.45 down 30 cents. And June 92.45 down 32 cents. And sliding on over to our Chicago Board of Trade. And with the January WASDE report showing record corn yields, the markets have taken a hit and are trending downward. March corn sitting at 447, March oats 368, March soybeans 1224, March soybean meal $362 a ton, and March wheat $5.96. And our cheese markets, barrels 144 and a half, down a half, 40 pound, 40 pound blocks, 156 and a quarter, up one and a quarter, gray double A butter, 256 and three quarters, up a quarter, and our class three milk futures, January 1515, down four cents, February 1590, up three cents, March up two cents to 1633. April 1708 up three cents and May up five cents to 1773. And that market is trending upward through the end of the year, but only up by two or three cents. So not a lot of movement on that. Time for some farm news. Corn for grain production in Wisconsin for 2023 was estimated at 553 million bushels. That's up. 3% compared to 2022, according to the USDA National Agricultural Statistics Service Crop Production 2023 Summary. Our corn for grain yield was estimated 176 bushels per acre. That is down 4 bushels from 2022, but 3.14 million acres of corn was harvested for grain in 2023, 150,000 acres more than last year. Corn for silage production was estimated at 16.4 million tons. That's down 16% from 2022. Silage yield estimate of 21 tons per acre was down 1.5 tons per acre from last year. Corn planted for all purposes in Wisconsin in 2023 was estimated at 4 million acres. Nationally, corn for grain production last year was estimated at a record high level of 15.3 billion bushels. That's up 12% from the 2022. Average corn yield across the United States was estimated at a record high of 177.3 bushels per acre. That's 3.9 bushels above 2022 yields. Area harvested for grain was estimated at 86.5 million acres. That's up 10% compared to last year. And the soybean production in 2023 was estimated at 105 million bushels here in Wisconsin. 
That's down 10% compared to 2022. And our soybean crop had an average yield of 51 bushels per acre. That's down 3 bushels compared to last year. 2.11 million acres were planted to soybeans in 2023, with just over 2 million acres harvested, both down from 2022 acres. Nationally, soybean production totaled 4.16 billion bushels. That's down 2% from 2022, with the average soybean yield per acre was 50.6 bushels. That's up one bushel compared to last year. Soybean acres harvested in 2023 nationally was 82.4 million acres. That's down 4% from 2022. And the United States Department of Agriculture has decided to reopen the sign-up for the Continuous Conservation Reserve Program, or CRP. Interested landowners and agricultural producers looking for conservation opportunities for their land in exchange for yearly rental payments can start submitting applications immediately to their local Farm Service Agency, or FSA office, Producers already participating in the CRP program can apply to re-enroll if their contacts are if their contracts are set to expire this year. So those CRP programs are opened up, and if you participated in them, you can already start submitting your applications. So up next we've got Bob, and he talked to Scott Newell. He is alfalfa specialist. And we'll hear what they have to say in a bit. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Alfalfa has gotten a renewed emphasis at the University of Wisconsin-Madison College of Agriculture and Life Sciences. An example, Scott Newell has been on staff for about six months now. Alfalfa Outreach Specialist, Crops and Soils Program, Agriculture Institute. And uh, Scott... What does all that mean? Strictly alfalfa, right? Yep, so strictly alfalfa. This is a new position that's been created at the University of Wisconsin's Extension, uh, recognizing a lack of uh, emphasis on alfalfa in the state and in the region and across the nation. So actually I have some ability to work outside of this region to promote alfalfa best practices and some of the some of the benefits of alfalfa to the state, to the region, and to the nation. It's a bit of a tricky thing to balance, but I'm figuring it out. What are some of the things you're finding or have you been tasked with as far as alfalfa not getting the respect, for lack of a better term, that it deserves. So one of the things I think about a lot is, you know, there's a there's a list of problems with any crop. There's a list of problems that you run into. So with alfalfa, what are those problems? What are the challenges that you face in the season? And how can we help support farmers, growers in those challenges? You know, I think about corn, soybeans, those, those bigger crops that have a lot more support. They have challenges just like alfalfa does, but they have people that are talking about how to face those challenges, how best to mitigate those problems. And uh, alfalfa just hasn't had that. So I'd like to bolster that support, make alfalfa more. Everything in agriculture is about risk and risk management. In crops where you have more support, you feel better about that risk. So I'd like to bring that, bring that support back in alfalfa. You know, in those risk situations when we have times like too much water, too little water, what are you looking for? What's going to happen in the future? Sounds to me like you have a lot of interaction with researchers, not just in Wisconsin, but all over the country, to point out the benefits of alfalfa, not only to farmers, but to our environmental as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. One of the interesting pieces of, of having a role like I do is that 
the research work that happens is not necessarily work that I'm doing personally. I'm involved in a lot of that stuff, but really what I'm trying to do is maximize the output of alfalfa research in the country. We have a limited number of people researching in forages, so how do I connect those people? How do I find people who are, let's say, alfalfa adjacent? You know, they're working on entomology, but they're not necessarily working. They could be working on alfalfa, but they aren't right now. So how do I connect them in and broaden the impact of alfalfa with limited resources? Um, so it's a really interesting piece. You know, I'm given the latitude to think about that stuff and kind of create those networks of people and bring all that together. So I'm really excited about that, um, but it will take a while for all that to grow and, and come to fruition. How is this going to work? I think of corn and soybeans, and they are well-funded. The corn growers, the soybean growers, stuff. alfalfa doesn't have that. So what kind of a challenge is that? Yeah, so alfalfa does have a checkoff, or at least did for, I think, I believe still do. Uh, NAFA has a checkoff $1 per bag of seed that gets sold. It's a bit of a different checkoff program from what corn and soy have. It's, no, it's not on a per bushel or per no, bale. No, exactly. It's, it's really difficult to do that on a per bushel, per, you know, on a pale per bale basis because you're feeding on farm, you know, what are you going to do? Ask someone to report how many silage wagons they put in the bunker. No, you're not going to do that. So they found that the best way to do that was to get a, a check off on the bag. And that's gone to fund a lot of really interesting research actually and kind of led to some preliminary data that, that has allowed for these larger funding sources from the, the federal government to come in and, and bolster research support. So it's been really useful for the industry to have that but certainly we don't have the resources of soybean, corn, as far as that checkoff industry support goes. So that's where I'm talking about finding alfalfa adjacent people. If I'm interested in, in say, uh, pea aphids in alfalfa or alfalfa weevil, that's an entomology issue. Is there entomology research that I can bring in that isn't necessarily earmarked for alfalfa, but could go towards alfalfa and supporting the crop? What are some of the, the research topics that you've uh, found by talking to researchers that uh, you're sharing with uh, not only farmers but the general public? Yeah, so there's a lot of work that's been going into um, establishing kind of the, the nutrient credits of alfalfa. There's a lot of interest in that going forward. We've got a, a new water quality specialist here at UW, Stephen Hall. He's really interested in water quality uh, and how the crops on the landscape affect that. And um, particularly seems to be interested in the nutrient credits from alfalfa. My colleague Marta Coleman as well is interested in that. Um, so that's a piece that I'm, you know, I, I think helps bolster alfalfa in the equation when you're looking at nutrient credits. And, and I think a lot of us think of nutrient credits from alfalfa or manure as a yearly thing. You know, we can decrease, nutri we can decrease nitrogen nutrient applications for the first year. There's a lot of effect that happens in the second and the third year. So quantifying that, allowing that savings to happen in multiple years, I think will increase the attractiveness of alfalfa in the rotation. And, and that's a piece that I'd really like to help improve. Another piece is there are uh, out west, you know, water has been a big challenge out there. Limited water in both in the Colorado River, but also in groundwater uh, pumping areas. So how does alfalfa fit into that, into that picture? You know, right now it gets a lot of attention because it's a high acreage crop, that means de facto it is a high water using crop. It's not necessarily any more water per acre than most other crops, but it has more acreage, it uses more water, it gets a lot of attention. And I think the thing that, that I see there is there's a lot of research out west on deficit irrigation and alfalfa has proven to be incredibly flexible on water use. It is a heavy, heavy water user if you give it water. But it is heavily responding to water. So if you don't give it water, it'll stop growing, it'll go dormant. 
and uh, whenever you do have water again, you know, in a rainier season, um, you can apply that. So it's an extremely flexible crop as far as that goes. So I'm, I'm hoping that that research can be taken uh, out to, you know, interested parties out there so that they can better understand the agriculture on their landscape. I think a big part is just most people don't understand, you know, the ins and outs of agriculture. So getting that sort of knowledge out there as well is, is a big piece. Do you, Scott, have your own research projects or are you working with the, you know, the focused researcher, so to speak? We're still figuring that out, but I will be very, uh, very collaborative in this role on um, bringing together those other uh, specific research faculties. So my appointment is 100% extension. That doesn't mean that I can't do some research if I'm interested, but let's just say my time is meant to go towards that extension and outreach portion. And I think that I can leverage this role uh, better in on the research side of things by bringing people together who are dedicated to research rather than me spending 20 to 30 percent of my time on research if I bring people who spend 80 to 90 percent of their time on research I think they can get that stuff done a lot faster but I can bring in the expertise on the alfalfa side of what is it that we need to look into what are some things that are going to make this trial more interesting to farmers growers you know let's not use old seed sources that no one uses anymore let's use commercially relevant varieties things like that um, that make the research more applicable to the to the end user now here in wisconsin we have the dairy forage research center are you tied in with those folks as well as university researchers like uh, marta that you uh, alluded to and what are you what are the issues you're trying to get across just specifically here in wisconsin or the upper midwest I do work with the Dairy Forage uh, Research Center folks there. They do a lot of interesting work, but they don't have the time or the appointment to do the extension side of things. So that was one of the goals in creating this role was to allow for some of that really interesting work that's happening there to get disseminated. An example of that is uh, John Graber has been working on corn alfalfa interseeding for 10 or 14 years now at USDA, and he's ironed out a lot of interesting bugs there, you know, planting corn silage into, planting alfalfa alongside corn silage to establish alfalfa can boost your first year yields, which are generally low with alfalfa. There's a lot of challenges there, as you might presume, mm -hmm. but as far as a companion crop, uh, you can't get a higher yielding companion crop than corn. As long as you can get a good alfalfa field out of it, then I'm okay with including corn in there. Um, <laughs> So, begrudgingly. Yeah, yeah, begrudgingly. No. Uh, anything that gets more alfalfa out there and, and gets people interested in how to do it. And, and so I think that's, a, that's one of those cool pieces where that research is being done. He's figured out a lot of really good best management practices, but it needs to make that, it, it's that last mile delivery that we've got to figure out. And that's where extension comes in, and that's where I think I can fit into this. More good information about alfalfa as a renewed emphasis on forage production in Wisconsin, especially at the university where uh, we haven't had people in these positions for the last few years. We do now. One of those, Scott Newell, alfalfa outreach specialist, crops and soils program, agricultural institute. He's headquartered at the university in Madison. I'm Bob Osold. Well, thanks, Bob, for that update. It is good to hear that alfalfa is making a bit of a comeback and uh, such a good feed out there. Well, that technology is great when it's working, but we're having a little bit of trouble with our phone lines. Well, apparently our phone lines are on the fritz a little bit here, so we're going to slide on over and we'll be hearing from Morgan McCarthy. <laughs> and our local news. Good morning, Morgan.
Well, good morning. Here's what we're learning today. Some bone-chilling temps out there on this Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and we begin with response to a house fire. One person recovers from burns after a house fire in Eau Claire yesterday. Crews were called out a little before 3 in the afternoon up to Peeble Street. Two people who were inside were able to escape with their dogs, but firefighters say one of them was burned and had to be treated on scene. Investigators also saying that fire started in the basement, though the cause is still under investigation. In other headlines that take us to the courts, a Chippewa Falls woman who stole from two local chairs will not spend time behind bars. Casey Brezina pleaded no contest last week to charges that she never paid two charities the money she collected during a pair of fundraisers. And in all, prosecutors claim she stole about $6,000, a judge finding her just under 500 after she said she did pay the money back in full. In other headlines, we look to the Monroe County area, and this time a former village clerk looks at charges after prosecutors say she allegedly stole thousands of dollars from the village of Milton. Investigators say 40-year-old Leah Barton also stole allegedly as much as $200,000 during her two years as village clerk. She quit last summer. Prosecutors say she made charges to nine different credit cards and reportedly spent the money on herself, telling investigators that she planned to pay the money back but lost track. She's facing nine felony counts, including identity theft and tampering with public records. Meanwhile, on the state level, there will not be a new elections chief for the upcoming 2024 election. A judge ruled Friday that Republican lawmakers do not have the authority to remove or replace Megan Wolf from her position. Also on the state level, funding coming to the UW campus with U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin announcing $1.49 million that will work on research into better forecast, detection, and response to wildfires throughout the state. The award will support research at the University of Wisconsin-Madison and work on developing some early detection and forecasting tools. Details on that, 715newsroom.com. And I don't have to tell you, the Mondays hurt a lot. A lot less when you have a win like that under your belt, right? NFC wildcard playoff round one goes to, of course, the Green Bay Packers. Hey, Love, what do you think? And let's just keep the love here today. Can't say enough how proud I am of everybody in the locker room. It's been a long season. We've been counting out a lot of the season. So um, just the way everybody keeps keeps battling, keeps competing, getting better, and obviously putting on great performances like uh, tonight. So um, it's a great feeling. Quarterback Jordan Love talking there, and uh, we better head it back to the bar and raise those milk glasses high in the air and cheers to a Monday with Joe Welke and your Midwest Farm Report. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Midwest Farm Report. Well, our phone lines still are acting up a little bit here. I'm... It's only the middle of January, but it won't be long. The grass will be green if you got enough pastures. If not, maybe you're looking across the neighbor's fence to see some good pasture land you'd like to use. How do you do it? Dan Undersander joins us right now on our alfalfa program brought to you by Next Girl Alfalfa. And Dan, negotiating pasture leases, what should go into it for both the leaser and the leasee? Bob, we need to think about this. And uh, and actually, most people, when they're going to lease a pasture, um, want something in between uh, a lease and a, a purchase right, if you will. Uh, the two extremes are a, a pasture lease, where a person uh, signs a contract, leases an acreage of land. Uh, that individual then has complete control of that land and can do anything they want to it in terms of cutting down trees, whatever. But they also have uh, the, the need to repair fences, to fix a well if it isn't working, all that sort of thing would be in a standard lease agreement. A share agreement is where, um, or a contract for purchase is the other alternative, where somebody takes land, uh, agrees to put cattle on land, 
at a certain uh, cost uh, per unit of animal or a cost per uh, unit of gain. We can think of this in terms of somebody, uh, the difference is, are we buying the corn or are we leasing the land to grow the corn? And the two have totally different uh, needs for us. Most people, as I say, want something in between. A person is willing to lease the land, uh, but they don't want major changes made. Uh, they might still want the rights to come on to the land, which if they lease it, technically they lose without permission from the leasee. Uh, and so uh, leases can be beneficial to both parties, but one must uh, think about the ins and outs. In addition, uh, the issue comes up is um, who pays for the fertilizer on the lease. Uh, we do have some arrangements, at least to grow hay. Who pays for the insecticide? Who pays for the uh, other inputs that go into the crop? So, uh, again, while lease arrangements can be good, uh, in all cases, we should have a written contract. We should, And the major purpose of the contract is to make both parties consider all of the ins and outs and come to agreement that is mutually acceptable to each. So do think about the two extreme options of pasture lease and of uh, purchase agreements and then think about where in between you want this uh, arrangement to be and uh, with uh, uh, potential contracts, some of which are available on websites uh, usually go down as a checklist and, and make up what each party wants to have out of the agreement. And it won't be long, hopefully, before we have some green grass and we can start looking at those pastures. Thanks, Dan. Dan Undersander, our forage specialist in Wisconsin, on our next Grow Alfalfa Update program. Well, these buttons really are not cooperating with me this morning. I thought I had it set on manual, and all of a sudden it started playing the alfalfa program. So I guess we got that out of the way just a little bit early today, but that's okay. So we're going to be doing some equity markets, and we're going to hear from Jim Lindsay. He's coming in first. Choice beef steers and heifers, $1.45 to $1.66. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers, $1.45 to $1.65. High-yielding choice and prime Holstein steers, $1.49 to $1.55. Choice Holstein steers, $1.36 to $1.48. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers, $1.35 and down. Top 20% of the cold cows sold from 90 to 99. We have a top of a dollar. 60% of the cows sold from 72 to 89. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from 71 and down. Organic market from Tuesday. 80% of the organic cows sold from $1.20 to $1.45. The bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from $1.19 and down. Cold bulls sold from 85 to $1.06. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from $300 to $440 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $300 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from three hundred and fifty to seven hundred and twenty-five dollars per head. Sales sold from twenty-five to twenty-eight fifty. Our next special feeder sale will be Friday, January 19th, starting at noon. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. 
Well, thanks, Jim, for that update. And I don't see my phone lighting up again, so they must be having a few more issues. We'll get it figured out for tomorrow. Before we jump into our last look at our markets, I will mention that you can get all the full schedule and the updated market reports on the web on the Premier Livestock website. So go to the Premier Livestock and Auctions website to get that market update. And hopefully tomorrow we'll have our phones fixed and working. And um, I'm going to look a little at the calendar here. Tomorrow there is a nutrient management education workshop at the Ag and Resource Center in Altoona. That starts at 11 o'clock, goes till 2 o'clock. So there is lunch served. So call ahead to reserve your seat. That's put on by the Eau Claire County Land and Conservation Division. And there's a meeting down in Blair tomorrow, starting at 1, going till 3, about crop inputs and nitrogen. That's at the Blair Community Center on in Blair. And on Wednesday, the Wisconsin Farmers Union is going to host their Farm and Rural Lobby Day. So it starts at 10 o'clock at the Bethel Lutheran Church and by Capitol Square. Please pre-register as soon as possible at the www.wisconsinfarmersunion.com backslash events. So a lot of busy stuff going to be happening this week. Getting ramped up. And here's our last look at our markets. And with those record, the January WASDE report coming out showed record corn yields. And our corn prices took a hit. So March corn's at 447. March oats is at 368. March soybeans, 1224. March soybean meals at $362 a ton, with March wheat at 596. And our country elevator prices. Golden Plump and Arcadia is at 411. In Baldwin, 382 and 11.39. Chippewa Falls and Connersville, 381 for corn and 11.57 for beans. In Durand, 377 and 11.29. In Mondovi, 382 for corn and 11.34 for beans. Elmwood, 387 and 11.39. Fall Creek, 377 and 11.29. Osseo, 392 and 1139. Elk Mound, 381 and 1146. Sparta, 394 for corn and 1121 for beans. Ellsworth, 372 and 1134. And in Loyal, 382 for corn and 1134 for beans. And Arcadia, 397 and 1144. And our ethanol plants, Boyceville and Stanley both sitting at 407 for corn and New Richmond 402. And our cheese markets, barrels 144 and a half, down a half. 40 pound blocks, 156 and a quarter, up one and a quarter. Gray double A butter, 256 and three quarters, up a quarter. And our class three milk futures, January 1515, down four cents. February up three cents to 1590. And March, 16.33 up two cents, and that market is trending upward through the end of the year. And our last look at our weather today, we're only going to be stretching up to one degree with our tonight's low down to eight below. But right now in Eau Claire, it's not, and tomorrow up to three degrees with one below on the night overnight hours. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, pretty cool weather. Sunday, we should get a little bit of a reprieve. 
Right now here in Eau Claire, it is nine below zero with a wind chill of 21 below. And that's what I have for the farm show for you this morning. Remember, take care of yourself and take care of each other.